you want to find that champion instinct. There is no one that's going to better convince a salesperson to do something except another salesperson being successful with it. You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Wednesday, and in these episodes, Sangram and myself, James Carberry, focus on personal development. We'll share books and other resources that are helping us get a little bit better every single day. And remember, like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. All righty, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is the first day in a four-part series on account targeting, engagement, activation, measurement. We've got a whole suite of speakers lined up to join us, and this is the first of many. Today, we're going to be diving into account targeting, so the ins and outs of it, what they've learned, lessons learned, things they wish they knew when they started, and, you know, things they swear by now. So with that, I'm going to go ahead and hand things over to Sangram. But again, we are super excited to kick this thing off, the first in a four-part series. Awesome. Billy, thank you so much. I am super excited. This this whole idea of getting the speakers together to talk about what are they going to be sharing at B2B SMX conference? So hopefully people are getting tickets and going to show up to the conference. We are like, I think, 500 uh, or so already registered. So, so it's going to be really cool. And uh, the whole thing, as Bailey said, we want to really get into how do you target better? That is the number one question that seems to be at the top of mind for a lot of people. So we're going to start with, with Kirby from Snowflake, Derek from Terminus, and Daniel from Fanale. So I'm going to have you guys introduce yourself and share a fun fact about yourself. So I'll, I'll go ahead and start myself so that you don't feel left out. So Sangram here, I'm the co-founder chief evangelist here at Terminus. My fun fact is actually this week, I'm having my nephew who is soon to be 18 in the office to learn what it means to be in business. And he saw a whole bunch of uh, skates all around the office. And he's like, well, is that what you guys do for business? And so I had to get him telling him, we actually have to do hard work. So I'm gonna have him sit in some pole falls and see how it feels like being on the other side of, uh, of the state. So that's my fun fact. So, Harmi, let's uh, let's start with you and then go to Derek and then Daniel. Hello, I am Harmi Ruiz. I am an account-based marketing manager here at Snowflake. Snowflake is the data warehouse built for the cloud. And the fun fact about me is I am a crazy dog mom. So if we run into each other at B2B SMS, let's talk dogs. If it's not ABM, I'm for it. That's awesome. Okay, I'm Derek Slayton. I run uh, marketing here at Terminus. I've been uh, part of Terminus now for almost a year. I started just at the Flip My Funnel conference last year. And I always hate the fun facts because I get really nervous about it. But I was thinking about it today. And uh, because this, this segment is about targeting, I thought it would be fun and relevant to share that I grew up in northern Vermont. And I actually spent my formative years right on the border between the U.S. and Canada. And I think that's super relevant because when you talk about targeting, uh, you really talk about how does the marketing team work with the sales team and handle that border between what marketing is doing and what sales doing and how do we agree on a common language and a common set of uh, segments and a common set of target accounts that we think are valuable to the business. So there's a fun and maybe even relevant fact about me. Oh, man, that is really cool. All right. I had no idea about that. I learned something new about you. There you go. There you go. All right. Daniel, you're up. I'm Daniel uh, Engelbretson. I work for Phenonic. We are changing the way that heating and cooling works using solid state technology. 
My fun fact today is my seven-year-old nephew gave my five-year-old son his first pile of Pokemon cards last weekend, and I spent all weekend learning more about Pokemon than I ever wanted to know, including a number of YouTube videos. So I am now an expert on Pokemon, so if you need help, let me know. It's crazy. My son does the same thing, man, and it, is, it drives me nuts, like, to answer which Pokemon, who is stronger than who. It's, it's crazy. All right. Let's get to the idea of targeting better. I think the very first question, and, and by the way, for people who haven't joined yet, there's a, uh, a LinkedIn community called Flipmaster LinkedIn community. If you want to join in that community, uh, it's, there are about 250 people in that now. And we are trying to come up with the right topics and practical things around it. So this is one of the things that have been coming up in that community is this idea of like, why is targeting important? And I want to set the context for this, and then probably we'll start with you. But the idea was like, well, marketers were typically, well, we need to create three blogs a week. We need to create two emails. We need to have three webinars a quarter. And, like, it's, it's a whole bunch of things that we need to do. We really didn't talk about targeting as the number one thing we saw for over a decade or so. And I feel like all of a sudden it's like, well, wait a minute, targeting is super important. Without that, you really can't do the other things the right way. So let's let's start with you. Like one, how how are the targeting at at, at Snowflake happening, and how do you think about targeting? Yeah, you know, it's definitely very important. And to kind of touch on what Derek had mentioned at the beginning, it's really about speaking the same language between marketers and salespeople. If you're not working together as a true team, I mean, everyone's kind of throwing their efforts into something without really being able to measure the results in a cohesive way. But I think if you really start off with figuring out who the targets are and who your salespeople are looking to target, you're able to market to them a lot better and a lot more strategically than just kind of just trying to spray and pray. So that's probably the biggest thing, and that's definitely something that we do here at Snowflake. We're an account-based selling team. There's a joke that kind of looks around that the APMC is actually account-based sellers. Um, but don't get it twisted. It's still our marketers. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's very being ingrained with the team to have a cohesive um, goal in mind. Yeah. How do you guys think about this at, at, at Phenomic, Daniel? So, for me, targeting obviously is not necessarily new to demand gen, but what's different about what I'm doing now versus what I was doing before is if you look at the last 10 years of demand generating activity, there's been a number of campaigns that I've done where it kills it, we generate all these leads, we hand it over to sales, and then sales doesn't call them back for whatever reason. You know, they only call half of them back or whatever. And one of the big advantages of targeting in, a, in the context of ABM is if you're working with sales on the front end to understand who you should be targeting, 100% of the leads that you hand to sales, sales cares about. And so it kind of eliminates that inefficiency and traditional demand gen when you approach it with a with an account-based strategy up front. And so, you know, for us at Phenomic, we started that almost by accident uh, with, with our first couple of tactics in our Opt Electronics group because the world's only so big for Opt Electronics, so there weren't that many accounts. And so we got some of that alignment up front. But when we moved that into life sciences and healthcare, there's a ton of hospitals. And that's where we saw that same problem of, you know, generate a great lead, but sales for whatever reason won't, won't call back. At peak, I think we had 27% callback rate you know, which is terrible, right? You, you spend all that money to generate that lead and nobody calls it back. So we, we did a lot of changing to how we build that targeting on the front end, which I'm sure we'll talk more about today, you know, to get that alignment so that 100% of the ads we're showing, the tactics we're running are targeting accounts that, that we know everyone cares about. 
Yeah. Derek, how does that work right here at Kermis? Like, we are supposed to be the best at it, being well, given the I don't know if we're supposed to be the best, but we, should, we certainly endeavor to be the best. But Daniel and, and uh, Ermi make, make it difficult, frankly. <laughs> you know, I think about um, I think about targeting in a couple different ways, and, and a lot of it is just based on the difference in today's availability of data than it was five or six or ten years ago. Um, I, I think about targeting from a macro standpoint, which is kind of like to Daniel's point, you know, how do we, and, and Hermes' point as well, how do we align with sales on the types of accounts that we actually care about versus any account that shows up on our doorstep, and therefore you get a lot less breakage and inefficiencies in the system if you're, you know, more specific about that at the outset. But then I also think of this concept of like micro targeting and smaller segments around triggers and data that shows up that maybe has shorter shelf life, but can be far more actionable. And, um, and so I think about in our group, you know, we think about targeting in both ways. Who's our universe of target accounts for a given quarter cycle working with SDRs and outbound sellers? And then who are accounts that we're identifying in marketing that, oh my gosh, we should just do something very specific for this small micro segment of our overall segment because we feel like we have a really compelling story or there's a really compelling topic that's trending or whatever, and we push, you know, concerted effort against that micro segment. So I think about using targeting in both different avenues, you know, the, the, the aligned one, this is my TAM, and then the micro one with, this is something I'm noticing, we're going to go do this boutique thing for these people because we think we're going to create more demand per capita here than we will somewhere else. Yeah. You know, and, and for the folks who might be joining now, as we're getting a lot of folks joining in, is this this whole idea of targeting, we I want, we want to make sure that we really go deep into like, well, how do you do this? Because I think a lot of people say, well, yeah, targeting is great. We want to do this. This is awesome. It makes sense to go after the right accounts. Like, this is not a, it, it's not rocket science to think, but yeah, it makes sense to go after the right accounts with the right message. But the challenge, as all three of you have pointed out, is that, well, we have more technology probably more resources now, more ideas of how to do it. So how are each one of you doing target? If you were to advise somebody new coming to you today and saying, all right, I buy into account-based strategy, I want to do this, tell me step one, two, and three of targeting. How would you answer that? Anyone? Well, I guess I would just follow up to my, because I think what you're saying, Sangram, is a good point there, but you weren't very specific, <laughs> so thank you. I think you got to pick which data points actually move the needle for you, right? And and when you're talking about for for us like micro segments around intent for new account new account acquisition or first party data around certain uh, people in your pipeline that have this behavior, right? So those are two specific data points that you I would say should use for either new account acquisition, the intent data, you know things that people are researching which may or may not be relevant to your what you sell and then first party data, which is like these accounts are doing this thing or not doing this thing and I want them to do this thing. Here's what I'm going to put in front of them from a message and execution standpoint. So two two data sets there that I would leverage heavily. Cool. I think a good place to also start is to look at your historical data. You know, what are the industries that you are playing well? Is that relevant? And do you have content around those use cases? I think a big part of it is do we have the marketing content to support the account that we're Yeah, great point. You know, one of the things I would add is you you hear a lot of veteran marketers say something like, well, I've always been doing ABM. Good marketing has always been targeting the right account. And the difference between what we're talking about now, today, versus maybe three or four years ago is that technology piece, which is 
you know, how much granularity you can get, the 10 signals and all that kind of stuff. So it's not that the idea of targeting accounts is any different than it was five years ago or whatever. It's, it's how, what data you have available to do that targeting and build that segmentation. Yeah. And the other thing I would say, you know, at Bononic as a startup that is still kind of entering the world, so to speak, one of the great advantages of AVM display specifically is you can you don't you don't necessarily need to know who the right target is. You can just be intelligent about testing a lot of targets to feel that out. And so we're constantly looking at sub segments and just taking you know some some basic parameters around the thermographic characteristics and just trying 100 accounts here, 100 accounts there, 100 accounts there, and seeing what message is resonating and which groups are are engaging the best. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a tool set available to you to type, try to tease that out if you don't have historical data or you don't know who your ideal customer is as well. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of the technology brings to let you do that. Awesome. Now, is there a limit? So this is the question I hear all the time. How many accounts should I be targeting? Uh, should I be targeting 10 accounts? There's a whole concept of tiering that I'm assuming each one of you uh, in some way, shape or form is doing in your organization. but how do you figure out how many accounts to target, which to go first? How does that actually work? Now, let's say you figure out based on intent data, the microsegments, all that stuff. You figure out the X number of accounts you want to go after. Now, how, how do I, because we're not going to talk about engagement until tomorrow when we, when we do the engagement part. But within that, it's not like you're just going after all of them all at the same time. There is still yeah. a little bit deeper depth that we have to go into that, right? I mean, for sure, I, you know, every good question is answered with the same answer, which is it depends, right? But, um, but I, I think, uh, not that easy. You're going to go more specific now. <laughs> I think a lot of it depends on like what's your, what's your typical entry point and sales process look like. But, you know, for us, you know, I love what, what Daniel touched on, which is, you know, picking, picking smaller amounts of accounts and testing and learning quickly, but doing it within the construct of what you've already defined as, you know, your, your TAM or some, some semblance of accounts that you and your sales team have agreed are, you know, good fit and high interest to us as a company. Uh, and then I think wherever you can use data or intuition or some combination of the two to like to, to test messages and theories quickly through digital and physical outreach, you, you should. And I think, you know, a great way to get started with our customers seems to be, you know, try to get some messages in front of them through digital channels like advertising and LinkedIn and, and whatnot. And then, and then, you know, within the same set of accounts, reach into those companies through direct outreach via the phone and email and see if we can create a recipe there around that. I think a big component of it is to definitely start small and then kind of scale it out. Um, you're going to be a lot more efficient when you learn from a small group and then kind of test it out in other places. Yes. Yeah. I have heard of just kind of double down on that is your title is account based marketing at the time, by the way, right? Like, so when did that change and what does a role like ABM that person with that title do from a day to day perspective, especially related to targeting? So I joke around with Daniel Day, who um, is my director. I actually started off Gas Snowflake as an SDR and I really was an account based seller um, and I was into it. And this was the first time that I actually had a marketer come down and sit down next to me and want to know what I was doing and what I was working on and what kind of messaging I was working. And so it really piqued my interest. I have a marketing education background, but that was kind of how I figured out how to kind of get in my in the way of 
I realized that an account-based marketing manager is a little bit like an SDR because you talk to your sales directors all day, every day, but I no longer have to hit the phones, which is extremely difficult. Yes, it's the hardest thing you can do. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm critical aligned with my sales director, so every week we have kind of a weekly check-in or a bi-weekly check-in depending on their tenure here and kind of how in-depth we've gotten into their top channel list with ABM. That, that's fantastic. Now, it, you know, in, from your perspective, how as, and I want to get really deep into this idea because there are people right now listening onto this one who are doing ABM for maybe last two, three years, and there are also folks who said, you know what, I w- I'm just starting out right now. So all three of you have been focused on this for at least two, three years. So you guys have gone through the trials, the testing, the experimentation, and I love your point, Hermie, of like start small with a with few accounts and then really prove yourself out so it makes sense. Can you, each one of you, just walk through the evolution of targeting process? Like, what did you guys do? Did you start with 10 accounts and then went from there? Did you guys get did, did sales? How much was sales involved in that process? 100%, 0 to 100%? Like, is there is there something there? Is it like you have to have sales involved in the target or not? I think people still think it's a marketing-only job because it's account-based marketing. But as you said, it's, it's really aligned with sales. So could each one of you just follow through like, all right, Go back in time two years ago when you got into this targeting. Where did you start? And then where are you right now so people can get a taste of the journey that they have to be on it? And maybe, Daniel, we can start with you this time. Sure. So because of what Phononics sells, we sell a common foundation of technology, but it has so many different applications and so many different verticals. The verticals are are widely different from each other and how we go to market and even what that technology looks like. So in some of, in one of our verticals, the one we started, which was our electronics, which is essentially the lasers that shoot data down fiber optic cables, you know, we make a product for that. The world's just not that big. There's not that many accounts out there. And I think when we started, we knew of only 40 in the world that mattered. So we picked all 40 and loaded them into a campaign, you know, and that was just kind of blindly doing it. And then I think like two or months or a month into it, we had a trade show and we used the trade show to look at who had been there and where their accounts we had missing. And then we got it up to like a hundred accounts. And then at that point we started really narrowing down with, with sales and looking, we actually run two side by side, one that's a narrow list and one that's a broad list. So, so it's basically the people who sales want and then all the lookalikes that are left over that sales is like, okay, they're great, but that's not what I'm focused on. And that was how we started doing it. You know, as it kind of matured, we looked at other segments. And actually what I would probably recommend my, where I would start today is it, for me, it really comes down to, you know, which sales guy do you have the best relationship with that you can actually get the collaboration with? You know, who, who can you be like, hey, I want to try this thing. Can you bear with me for 30 days? And how many of those sales guys you have, you might have a couple of like the pioneer that stuff. How many target accounts do they have? What state's really important to them? What, what doors are they trying to knock down? Because I, my experience has been that you know, sales may not want to do a bunch of extra work if they don't understand what they're going to get for it. And sometimes you got to find that pioneer to help you get started. And so when we started doing it in life science and healthcare, we, we took the two best or most engaged sales guys, took their target account list that they had made for themselves and loaded that in. And I think it ended up being like 68 accounts or something like that between the two of them. So it was fairly small. And then you jump to a new vertical that's totally new to Phenonics, totally new products to the world. 
and we just start. I literally just started with top 100 X, like top 100 C store, top 100 grocery, top 100 whatever, because the sales guys didn't know anything about what we were doing, and it was hard to get their head around it. So we just started, and then we start. Now we do regular reviews on an ongoing basis of who's on the list and who should be on the list. But one of the advantages of permanence and what we're doing is we whatever that work that marketing's traditionally doing to build that list. We still we still take that list and dump them into a parallel tactic because whatever logic you use to build that list is still relevant. We just also run a sales curated list as well because it, I mean the marginal effort of having two versus one is not not that big. And the only caveat and the last thing I'll say is that it really also comes down to personalization and how much personalization you can do and at what scale. Because obviously, as you can learn across a number of tactics you're doing for marketing, the more personal the message, the better engagement of the message. And there's no more personal way than one-to-one in ABM, which plenty of people do well. And I'm not going to take Hermes Thunder. I know Snowflake does that phenomenally well, you know. And so, but how do you get the scale out of that personalization? So sometimes there's a fine line of how personal can you really get, and maybe that's your upper limit. But you know, for me, it really comes down to approaching it as simply as possible to get sales on board, to get, help them understand what you're trying to do, and then take off from there. Yeah, that was so good. All right, Derek? Yes, I agree with it all. <laughs> no, I mean, I think I think, um, I think, think one, one thing I would add, I've just making a few notes here too, is I think the hardest thing to do with targeting, at least in my experience, not only with Terminus, but also other companies where we were attempting to be account-based wherever we could, is um, you get caught in the tear between I know who I'm going after for a specific reason and I have, you know, to use a probably overused term, I have a whole lot of mouths to feed in sales. And so how do you balance between servicing everybody and being more targeted and more specific on something you either know or believe strongly will work better than even just generic ABM? And I think to Daniel's point, it kind of does come down to that question of scale versus the incremental value of personalization and trying to find that that point of diminishing returns and not going beyond it so that you don't over-focus on personalization at the expense of scale, but that you also don't do the inverse of that too. And I think that's actually a, a line personally that I know I'm always trying to walk with my sales teams. And I'm sure the other two have similar thoughts because I think it's definitely the most complained about thing in account-based marketing probably, which is the scale versus specificity challenge. It's a huge, it's a huge challenge. So, uh, just before we get to Hermie, if you have questions, just pop it in uh, on the GoToWebinar, and you can just type in the questions, and we'll uh, we'll start asking these guys some of some of the questions that you might have. So, Hermie, how has it evolved in your time at Snowflake? Because I know you guys have a team of account-based marketers. You have all these different things going on, and it's always something new that I learn when I talk to you, talk to your Daniel and the team over there. Yeah, so I've been fortunate enough that I've actually been here to see scale of Snowflake for the last two two years or so. So we did have a sales partner at 20. Now we are globally about going to be 300 salespeople, give or take. Well, you went from 20 people, sales organization to 50? Give or take, yeah, the last uh, two well, years. There's exciting stuff. We're definitely enabling data-driven organizations. Uh, I think the main or the first step definitely is to build out your marketing account fits for model. You know, identifying what your actual customers look like. If you're not able to do one-to-one with every sales director, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Right? If you want to start off with being able to provide them the data. Once it's in Salesforce, you're starting ABM. And then we were fortunate enough, as similar as, you know, Derek and Daniel said, you want to find that champion in sales. 
there's no one that's going to better convince a salesperson to do something except another salesperson being successful with it. And that's just kind of how we grew. We are regionally based here at Snowflake with our account-based managers. So Brianna, who's Sanger Pavilion, also on the team, she started a few months before me. She really connected with the Northeast. New York is where we started, the East Coast. And then from there, it grew. Um, Central became our second advocate. Nothing because I, I covered Central, but um, we definitely put a lot of into it, and we've been kind of moving westward. So that's really how it was. And then you move away from trying to convince sales directors that this is how they should be approaching this to sales directors approaching you, wanting to know how they can do this and how they can get a piece of the pie as well. Um, so that's that's the biggest thing, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, nothing nothing gets you more uh more more eyeballs than success, right? You're successful, everybody shows up at your doorstep. It's a lot easier. Yeah. That, that's really cool. All right. So while we're waiting on a couple of questions coming in as Bailey is looking at that, I, I took a whole bunch of notes. So I'm gonna try to summarize into like maybe three or four like big ideas that I'm hearing uh, from you guys. So one that Daniel, you just mentioned the very early point is that, hey, look, whenever there are leads, and a lot of people think about leads, ABM inbound, we will talk more about that in the next few weeks. Hopefully, people will join in each day at the same time. But if you're doing account-based marketing today or account-based anything in your organization, 100% of the leads that are coming into those accounts, you're guaranteed that your sales team are going to follow up. So it's never the case that leads are good or bad. It's like, they don't know what the leads are from, but if you are doing the right targeting, which means you know and you have a line with your sales team on the list of accounts, then the leads from those accounts, if they come up, there is no way that the salesperson is not following up, and that is the best way to start building that relationship. So I'm really glad that, Daniel, you kind of opened that up. Um, uh, Derek, you mentioned a few times around this idea of intent and post-party data. And I think a lot of people need to kind of double down on that is like, you're, you're not just sitting in a room and putting on a whiteboard, which accounts to close. I think Nike and Coke, like that's not the way to do targeting anymore. There are enough amount of tools and technologies out there to figure out which companies do we want to go after, what, where the intent is so we can get in there at the wrong time, and is there first-party data available, which clearly is, so you need to figure out where this data comes from. So you need to start using some of this smarter tech that's available now that wasn't, frankly, there five, ten years ago and get ahead of the game. So I felt like that was really good. And, um, like, Hermie, I think a lot of this growth that you guys have seen in your organization, I think one thing seems to be very consistent for your organization is that you just have a tremendous amount of alignment with your sales organization to a point where, as you said, it's like almost having a sales job but not having to call them. I mean, that was really a good quote to kind of put out there. Is like, wow, so you really are looking at yourself as someone who is either going to help incrementally or exponentially grow sales. So targeting makes sense because you're aligned with that. So those were some of the points that I that I got out of, out of this thing. Unless I'm missing something, I think barely there is any questions that you know are popping up. Go for it. Yeah, let me ask a question. So one question that I would want to post the group is, I guess it's kind of a two-part question. Uh, the first one is, what are like maybe some mistakes you made early on in your ABM journey with respect to targeting? And then I guess a follow-up, which I guess you would interpret a little bit differently, is what's something you wish you knew about account targeting when you first started your ABM journey? Well, that was a good question. Where did you go? I guess I'll share a mistake because it's our, I feel like I have to as a vendor here, right? 
I think I think my probably a, a number of times I've made the mistake of trying to boil the ocean, which I think Ernie touched on too. It's like you can't test and learn across your entire target addressable market all at once. So, you know, be selective, be specific, be willing to say no to a bunch of folks that you're not going to be making them successful so you can figure out what the recipe is. And then the thing I wish I knew then that I'm starting to learn now at least is be expansive with like this concept of using intent, which is just a terrible name for, for the data that, that it provides. Because I think there's ways where you can find people who are triggering on certain subjects that don't necessarily know that they need your solution, but it shows that they probably do. And and for too long, I thought about intent as being like, oh, there are people out there who are looking for you, but you can't find them. And it's actually not that. There are people out there looking for things that indicate that they have the problem that your solution solves, but they haven't learned about this new solution yet. And so I wish I had been a little bit more expansive with my thinking on intent data years ago. Because there's a lot of value in it if you think creatively about how to use it. So, anyhow, that's uh, that's, that's something I continue to, to struggle with, and something I wish I knew more uh, a few years ago. Yeah. We all do. We all do. All right, yeah, right. I love the intent topic portion of it as well. That's something that we're starting to leverage a lot more of. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, obviously there are going to be keywords that might not necessarily be a one-to-one and apples to apples comparison, but if it's apples to oranges, you're almost there, right? Um, so I think that's yeah. a big thing. It's just really advocating for the intent topics and intent data in general. Uh, and I think Daniel Day actually just walked out of the room on this part. But one thing that I would have loved to have done from the beginning is been prepared for the scale that we were going to be going on. Uh, one point, it was just three of us on the ATM to be supporting 100, and it got a little crazy. So I definitely would like that just to keep that personalization going because you do need champions, but at the same time, what have you done for me lately, right? Not what have you done for me in the past. So you want to continuously prove yourself to the sales leadership. That is a, a valuable asset. Um, and to kind of start on that is on our sales team, ABM isn't just considered a boss to each other. From our leadership, we get the message that Unless a sales director really has a true voice in the opinion of how we're going to market to their accounts, they don't get any And so you have to put your foot down because, again, you can't boil the ocean. Right. And, and it's not – you move towards generic ABM and really at that point it kind of gets lost. The message yeah, great awesome. Yeah. All right, Daniel, we'll give you the last word. A couple thoughts on it. What I would tell you to know before you get started – Today, with the targeting as more than just the account, it's also the department within the account. And there's a lot of flexibility that the tools give you where, like, for example, you might be targeting engineering, purchasing, C-suite, maintenance. Well, you might have excellent coverage with engineering and terrible coverage with purchasing and, and whatever. So you can turn off the ads engineering and crank up the ads and purchasing. And so launching your tactics to allow you to scale up and down on department by department basis really matters, especially if you're after a really large account where you don't have that many accounts. There's a lot of targeting you can do at the account level, and then there's really interesting learning you can do. Hey, turns out the maintenance audience in a hospital is always clicking on the mobile ad format and not the desktop ad format. Maybe I should change my landing page to be mobile, more mobile focused, you know. And there's things like that that we learned in the process. So launching with an eye towards departmental segmentation and, and doing a lot of testing there is, is really big. 
And the other thing is I'm, I'm one of the, the first people to, to say, go faster, go faster, go faster, but you can go too fast. <laughs> and, uh, and what I mean, what I mean by that is ABM display, you know, in the context of terminus, it, it's not meant to run by itself. Like there's other tactics that you want to be layering on top. And it's easy to fall in the trap of, you know what? I'm just going to launch my terminus campaign and I'm going to get my other tactics done and don't worry. They'll get done and we'll get it done. You know, in, in the beginning of 19, you know, I think we launched like six or seven campaigns side by side with a number of tactics within them and not all of the rest of the tactics fired off. And so it kind of sputtered out and it was a big, you know, it could have been done a lot better. And so, you know, make sure you've got your ducks in a row before you start on you know, what else, what other tactics you're going to do and hold yourself accountable to it. And that includes also a big learning of your creatives. Like make sure you've got a couple of sets of creatives ready to go before you start because, you know, recency of creative is really important and people get at fatigue and you don't want to be cru- cruising on 10 tactics and you don't swap the creative because you didn't get around to it or whatever. So make, make sure you thought through what else you're going to layer when you're going to do it and, and hold yourself accountable for doing that because it, it can, it can get away from you really fast. Oh man, yeah, scale, but don't scale too fast. All of that. All right. The other thing about The next one, I guess, is more of a hypothetical situation. So uh, this is something I was interested about personally to see how you guys are handling this on a day-to-day basis. With respect to kind of the relationship between ABM and Indom, I know people early on their ABM journey maybe don't want to give up on it completely. So let's say somebody comes in, you know, let's say through contact form or through traditional inbound channels, and you guys have this target account list. So are you guys using maybe your TAM or your ISC is almost like a reference to say if somebody comes in through inbound who's not on this quarter's list of target accounts, but maybe, you know, checks the boxes on three out of seven qualifications that we have, how are your sales teams handling those people who are still expressing interest, but maybe don't fall into that quarter or that month or that year's specific list of accounts? That's super specific. I love that question. I right, who wants to take this? I'll, I'll kind of take this one. Um, so here at Snowflake, we are fortunate enough to have a field sales team who only cares about their top accounts. And then we also have an inside sales team um, who are in closing roles. So when an inbound lead comes in that is not in a top account, it kind of goes through a couple of parameters and checkboxes that the inbound team has to kind of do including what company are they coming from, what's their interest, and then from there we can determine whether it's an account that's appropriate for the inbound or the inside team, um, which handles smaller, faster-growing companies versus our field team, which would be a larger-scale project. Yeah, you know, one of the things that we started doing is not only the inbound leads that actually fill out, but it's also the inbound accounts to your site that you know are there, you know, which Terminus can tell you who's on your site and what they're looking at. And we actually uh, hired an offshore team in India to crunch all that data on a weekly basis and basically go to their websites, find out what they sell, figure out if it's a fit, and add them to a potential fit list. And obviously, that sounds like a daunting thing, but there's some stat, you know, they're more like seven times more likely to buy if they're coming to you than if you're going to them or whatever. So we just started pumping that data along with inbound stuff to, to our team in India who then go into Salesforce and add them to a broad awareness campaign that's like kind of a marketing effort to basically warm up those accounts and see if they're if they're gonna fit the next time the next time we're launching a tactic or whatever. So that that's one way that we approach like, trying to grab all that at, at scale. You know, we still have inbound leads to the website and a lot of that we tried to automate with like Salesforce workflows and stuff like that. 
you know, automate standard responses and, and things like that. But, uh, but you know, don't be afraid to, you know, some things just need a human eye. And, uh, and we found that doing that with our partner in India was very cost effective and very fast for us. Yeah. And we're very similar to Hermie here, uh, at Terminus, but we've got, you know, we, we have an offshore yeah, we still have people that can pick it up. And if folks are in, in our business, if folks are interested enough that they're serious about account-based marketing, we sell account-based marketing, so it's kind of meta, but we're just trying to make sure we're not wasting people's time. And if they keep clearing the hurdles that they're interested and they're serious about changing the way they go to market to be account-centric and they need a partner to help them with account-centric go-to-market activities, then, you know, despite them not matching perfectly our ICP, you know, we want to have that dialogue. We know we're not the best at picking all of our customers. Some of them will tell us they should be our customers that we haven't picked. And uh, we have a team that is really good at, at helping those folks, you know, come on board. Frankly, they sometimes they're some of our most successful customers. So, yep. Um, the next question is actually a really nice segue into tomorrow's topic. So I don't want to spend too much time on it just because we are spending an entire session tomorrow talking about it, but it's about measuring engagement and how you guys use that as a metric. So I don't necessarily yeah, want to talk so about tomorrow. defining engagement, but I would be interested to know if you guys are incorporating engagement metrics into your current account tier. So if you're prioritizing your outreach from your target list based on engagement, and then if so, how are you guys doing that? I mean, I, and I think, Sangram, if I read you right, you don't want to get into this too much because you got to save some 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 good yeah. fuel for tomorrow. But I mean, yeah, I think yeah, he has. Yeah. The question is, is really valid is that is this is targeting a siloed process without any back entry of engagement data and metrics and stuff like that. So from that perspective, I think it's a very relevant point. But don't go too deep because it will be on the tomorrow with all of this stuff. But give, give your color on that. Just always be reprioritizing, and engagement is a great mechanism for that. That's my color. One line that I like. Yeah, Gareth, like we take our model fit scores and they equal model and engagement in a concrete algorithm. So, you know, why wouldn't you put into consideration how interested they are in you? They're fancy. They're super fancy at Snowflake. They got algorithms. They know what to do. Want to see that. Yeah. <laughs> and at Panonic, we're looking at it uh, weekly and monthly in different contexts, uh, along with the sales team. And like you said, reprioritizing. And so it could, make sure in their desktop, it could uh, easily uh, influence what tactics get fired off when, you know, like, like who's getting called first at the call center and stuff like that. But it also definitely influences those sales alignment meetings, which I highly recommend. We didn't really talk about that, that you're regularly meeting with your sales team to you know, whatever cadence you need to, to make sure the list is still the right list. You know, don't just sit on a list for three months and think it's the, still the right list. Uh, be, be looking at that on a way basis. And the engagement data can, can help you do that. All right. Well, I think that's a wrap. Let's yeah. daily. Let's uh, have the finish thing. So thank you, first of all, everyone, for taking the time and diving deep into some of these questions. That's all the questions we have for today. Thank you. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.